Hello, and welcome to Podcast Live. My name is Elliot Rabin, and Podcast Live gives a platform for people to learn in-depth about innovative initiatives at work in Jewish day schools. We start with a presentation, continue with the conversation, exploring the initiative and its wider implications, and end by fielding questions from the audience. The podcast is being recorded and will be available on podcast platforms soon. We welcome all those who are watching this broadcast on Zoom, as well as Facebook Live, and are happy to announce that more people will be able to enjoy it later on Prisma's podcast's channel. Before we begin, we want to take a moment of silence to send our wishes for our greater family, friends, and all of the people of Israel. The deal for the release of some of the hostages is being voted on right now. Since the brutal attack on October 7th and the rise of anti-Semitism since, we've seen more than ever the importance and value of Jewish day schools. Our schools educate our students to be knowledgeable, self-confident Jews who are proud of their identity and strong supporters of Israel. This podcast offers one example of a way that a school fulfills this mandate day in and day out. For today's podcast, we welcome Daniel Abramson, director of Tikkun Project, and Eric Petersiel, head of school from the Leo Beck Day School in Toronto. Their talk is titled Tikkun Project, Living Out Our Mission. After the presentation, Daniel and Eric will be joined by Josh Gold, who, head, who is head of school K through eight at Hafter Hebrew Academy of the Five Towns and Rockaway in Lawrence, New York. Take it away, Daniel and Eric. Thank you, Elliot. I really appreciate that. Um, the introduction, the opportunity in difficult times, I guess it's important for us to continue to focus on our mission, uh, all of us to focus on our mission. Uh, and frankly, what I've argued in the past month is that, in fact, what's going on around us here in North America, as well as in Israel, only strengthens our mission and our understanding of it. The Leo Beck Day School in Toronto is now in its 50th year, one half century of celebration. I'm honored to note that the honorary chair of our board, Rabbi Arthur Bielfeld, has logged in here. Uh, and it was around Arthur's dining room table at Temple Emmanuel that the vision of the school was formed in 1973 and opened its doors in September of 1974. Somewhere around Arthur's 80th birthday, he began to think about the legacy that he had created, uh, one of many. Arthur was a social justice rabbi coming to uh, Canada, perhaps somewhere around the time of the Vietnam War, uh, and focused dramatically on a number of issues with his congregants, and at the same time gathered a group of individuals in Toronto uh, who felt that the idea of Reformed Jews powerfully engaging um, in modernity and in their Jewish studies was enough to establish a brand new school uh, generally uh, in the basement of Temple Emmanuel in Toronto. And because I happen to be aware of that, when it overflowed in the uh, basement of the Red Hill home that happened to be next door to the synagogue for the kindergarten class to meet in. When Arthur approached his 80th birthday, he began to think about that legacy and the remarkable uh, vision and mission that the school had had for so long and wanted to ensure that its continual striving toward tikkun olam was not an add-on was not an afterthought, was not an extracurricular activity, but woven directly into the curriculum 
and experience of the students in the school and therefore potentially could do the same for other Jewish day schools and other non-Jewish day schools around the world. Our mission statement, as it is now in its third incarnation, but honestly with very much the same ideas, Leo Becca Nurturing and Inclusive Reform Jewish Day School provides international baccalaureate academics paired with a modern approach to Judaism, honoring tradition and encouraging individual choice. We inspire students to be creative and critical thinkers who understand themselves and their responsibility to the world around them. Leo Beck at the time was the third Reform Day School in North America, following Rod of Sholem in New York and Temple Beth Am in Miami. Um, and I believe that in many ways there have been times through those 50 years where it's been, it's been unclear if the school held a continued mission and opportunity for sustainability. I'm proud to say these days that the school serves 621 students from junior kindergarten through to grade eight, is essentially full at every level with a wait list, and has clearly demonstrated that this vision and mission toward inspiring young people to change the world and to give them a sense of responsibility to the world around them resonates and continues to do so uh, with our schools and our community here. I'm going to turn over to Dan just to give you a little bit of an understanding of how this project tries to encapsulate that mission uh, and ensure that it's not just an afterthought, but in fact, the core of our curricular experience. Thanks, Eric. Uh, my name is Daniel Abramson. I'm the Curriculum Development Director for the Tikkun Project here at the Leo Beck Day School. Um, I was uh, I entered the equation in uh, 2018 after one year of pilot projects here in the school. Our our goal was to create um, social justice opportunities uh, embedded within the core curriculum for all grades from kindergarten uh, to grade eight. The idea was that if kids are able to take what they're learning in class and transfer it to solve real problems beyond the walls of the school, uh, that the learning will feel authentic, uh, real, important, and contextualize. Um, laying on top of that a layer of Jewish identity so that students understand that when we do things like feeding the hungry, uh, clothing people who are cold, that, that those aren't just good human things to do, that those are in fact core Jewish objectives. Um, and we believe that anything that's a core Jewish objective, if we want kids to really learn it, it's got to be part of the core curriculum. So the, the Tikkun project came from that idea of bringing these three lenses together. The first lens that we talk about is critical thinking. So this has to do with all the ways that teachers use best practices to be able to engage kids deeply in thought. It asks kids to be able to make uh, informed choices, think about multiple perspectives, um, to investigate not just the impacts of problems, but the, the core, the root causes of them. The second element, uh, as I mentioned, is the Jewish values. So when we asked ourselves, what would it look like if a student in grade eight graduated and, and was a model of success for a program, what would they be able to do, Jewishly speaking? Uh, we believe that they'd be able to make connections between their own actions and Jewish texts and Jewish values. They'd be able to name what they do as mitzvot. Uh, and they do core practices that demonstrate respect for their teachers, for their peers, um, for strangers, for the world around them, just like it says uh, in, our, in our mission statement. Um, and we believe that that would end up in a heightened sense of connection uh, to their own family, to the school, to the city, uh, and to the country itself. Uh, 
being part of the community and seeing themselves uh, as an integral part of each of those levels of community um, helps us achieve the, the mission of developing a sense of global citizenship for students. The last one is really uh, hands-on action. Uh, as I mentioned before, the idea of being able to take what kids learn in class and to transfer it to solve real real problems uh, is empowering. It makes our, our learning authentic. Um, we would look for students to be able to take that understanding um, and apply it outside and beyond the walls of the classroom to try to make their own communities more equitable and inclusive. Um, to build relationships with people from uh, organizations, experts out in the field. Um, and it's been wonderful to be able to see where students do things like leading by example. So uh, a student who comes home and advocates for change among their peer group or asks their parents to change a practice that might be happening in the family or writes a letter to a city councilor to advocate for things uh, like ramps, uh, more wheelchair ramps around the neighborhood to make our whole communities more uh, equitable and accessible. So those, those really critical thinking, Jewish values um, and hands-on action are the lenses that we bring together uh, for this spot that we call Tikkun Learning. So we've uh, prepared a, a short video. Um, I think that seeing uh, students' reflections on their work is, is probably the best way to see what, what does this actually look like in practice in a classroom. So the clip we're going to see is just a short little uh, clip around our grade two unit where students are investigating water and the water cycle. Shomeri Adama means guardian of the earth, and we can do that by uh, picking up trash on a beach so it, so the waves don't make it into the ocean, especially plastic bags because turtles mistake them for jellyfish and then they eat them and that kills them. Part of the reason why Tikkun works so well within the context of our community, the Tikkun Project, uh, because we know that when uh, we root units in action, we get excited students, we get excited learners. It made me feel like I'm a water expert and make me feel like I'm a good person helping the earth. And it was funny that I was teaching grown-ups that didn't know that it's important to protect water. We also then take the SDGs and try to look in the world of Jewish texts and say, uh, are there Jewish texts that would guide our understanding about relationships between people or the relationship between people and the environment in ways that would inform our actions. Kids can learn from Josephine that it's good to protect water so they might grow up thinking I should always save it and then they always help save water. Through narratives, through literature, through guests, through stories, we can build up our understanding of how other people see the environment, how other people see, see the world and their responsibilities to it. So the act of building skills and learning about something new and a new issue and then taking action, it's not all about what marks am I going to get, um, you know, what's that final big show pony outcome, it's actually about this incredible learning process and just enjoying the journey all the way through. Just because we're small doesn't mean we can uh, do small stuff, we can do very big stuff. Thank you for going back. And I was I was worried that the last little little bit, because I think it's important, you know, um, if if uh, I were going to encapsulate one of the outcomes of the Tikkun project that I think is really important in all of our mission statements, every mission statement for a Jewish day school that I've looked at, um, we we express a hope that students will be able to take what they learn 
and they'll apply it to build the world that they that they want to live in. Um, and the Tikkun project emphasizes the idea that that shouldn't be a, a, a promise of a future ability. That that one day when you're a grown up, you'll be able to have a job where you'll engage with these challenges and you'll solve the the all the problems. Rather, uh, just like anything that's important in school, when it's important, we practice it. It becomes central to the curriculum. So when we say that we want students to be able to make positive changes in the world, the Tikkun Project places that at the heart of classrooms and allows students the ability to practice. So understandably, the, the metrics of world changing, how do we quantify how, how are, what data are we going to look at to be able to suggest whether a student in grade three or grade four or grade eight, or, or once they graduate, uh, has absorbed the lessons and has the knowledge, skills, and inclinations to be able to change the world? The, the project of metrics is an interesting one. And I want to share with you uh, just a couple of bits of uh, feedback that we've gotten through uh, a process of collecting data uh, from parent surveys, teacher interviews, uh, and student work. So I'm just going to highlight a couple of the metrics that we look to. Uh, one of them is, uh, just like expressed in that last video, a sense of confidence to be able to address complex issues. 80% of parents responded that they believe that they've seen some or significant growth in their students' confidence to be able to engage with complex problems. 100% of our grade four uh, parent response, responses said some are significant growth. When we asked students, uh, when we asked parents, to what extent do you think that uh, our school is helping uh, to be able to strengthen the Jewish community today and in the future? 86% uh, responded with our top two responses, uh, strongly or very strongly. Parents believe that we are preparing students uh, to be able to strengthen the Jewish community today and, and in the future. Um, if we can actually just uh, go back, there's a slide number seven, I think is is great. Um, just one or two other indicators um, I want to share. Uh, one of them is uh, when we see evidence of transfer beyond the classroom, because we're hoping that students won't just uh, demonstrate these behaviors within the classroom, we will know that we've been successful students take what they learn and apply it in, in new situations. So when students uh, report back to us that after learning about homelessness, they've made a decision instead of having loot bags in their uh, birthday parties that they will create kits to be able to support uh, people experiencing homelessness. Or, or when a student uh, volunteers with a local agency uh, that supports people who are homeless, um, uh, one student articulated, through reading, uh, reading a book that we uh, focused on in class that expresses narratives of, about people ex uh, experiencing homelessness, uh, the student said, I wish that the characters in our book had an agency like Vehavta because it would have supported their needs. Students are making connections between the materials that they're learning in class and the real life situations that they see around them. And the, the last one, I just want to tell you a, a quote. Uh, a parent gave us the feedback. I believe that my child is more positively aware of differences among people in his community, and he can be more understanding of the needs of others and helps overcome challenges that they may have. So we're seeing real feedback in real time of parents who are seeing uh, changes in their, in their students' skills, abilities, and inclination to make positive difference. Great. So what, I, what I'd like to say, um, I don't remember who taught me this, and I wish that I did, but I quote it often. 
um, that the plural of anecdote is not data. And yet over the course of my time as head of school, my job has been to storytell plenty of beautiful anecdotes. And Dan's given you a couple there. But in fact, what's more important is that we actually track the real data about student attitudes and understanding how it changes. Um, and really the goal here is to ensure, again, that um, our responsibility to teach students how they can change the world is not in the abstract, um, nor is it an add-on. But the unique contribution of the Tikkun project is that the um, units are all devised in a way that they emerge directly from the curriculum itself. Uh, and in very much this is tied to our uh, status as an international baccalaureate school, uh, because IB schools all over the world do not dictate curriculum, they dictate pedagogic approach. How do we approach big questions and teach students to find meaning and personal perspective within them? And so the goal is that the project is layerable on whatever curriculum um, that you have. Um, so just to give you a simple example that I've often quoted in the fifth grade everywhere in Ontario, I'm not sure if it's all across Canada, but there's a social studies unit where you're required to understand governmental structures. And in rewriting the Tikkun project and understanding it, it was simply a way of molding that existing unit into one in which students understand their role and responsibility as government advocates. How do we influence government? How do we um, help both local and provincial and federal governments understand um, how it is that they respond to the needs of our community? Yeah, the the slide that you're that you're seeing here um, is a is a representation of how the learning, uh, the scope and sequence of learning across the grades. Uh, so you can see in senior kindergarten, students uh, start by understanding how individual well being relates to the well being of the community. Uh, all across Canada, in kindergarten, students learn about healthy food and healthy activity and self regulation. We ask them to consider the text "Vehavta Larecha Kamocha." Um, that we should love others as we love ourselves and ask them, do other people need the same things? Do other people have access to the same things? So where we had a curriculum unit based on self-regulation and wellness, we posed the question of how can we take our understanding of self-regulation and wellness to solve a real problem in the community? Um, in grade two or grade one, students uh, learn about accessibility, creating inclusive communities. Um, based on uh, the anchor point in, in curriculum that asks students to understand roles and responsibilities within communities, students uh, tried to imagine ways that communities could be more inclusive. Um, I won't go into details across all of them, but I, I want to give a couple of highlights uh, where, uh, where it seems to be uh, true of curriculum uh, across the grades. Um, environmental stewardship is, is important in every school. Um, students in grade two and grade seven both have units where they learn about responsibilities and personal action. In grade two, it focuses on water. In grade seven, uh, it focuses uh, more on climate change and, and personal choices. Grade three is a unit that's really about the attributes of difference makers. We ask students to be able to look at narratives and see what it means to make a positive change and try to find uh, the attributes that are most common in people who make change in the world. Uh, grade four is a study in poverty and homelessness. Grade five uh, uses a framework of learning about government and asks students how, as people who don't yet uh, vote, could we make change uh, inside and outside of government to create the communities where we want to live? Uh, grade six, very important right now, 
communities across America, uh, across North America are thinking about ways to welcome newcomers to our communities. Uh, in, grade, in grade six, uh, students investigate the best the best ways to be able to create inclusive, welcoming communities. Uh, grade eight, we do a, d- a deep dive into uh, diversity, focusing on the key skills that are needed to be able to work across lines of difference. So that's a short version of our of our scope and sequence of units. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about what in real terms this might uh, look like in, in our school. So I'm going to ask, we can head to the next slide. Yeah. So when we, when we think about the unique contribution of, of the project, what does this, uh, what does this do in the field that's important? Um, the project offers us a way to be able to integrate opportunities for Jewish values and social action into the curriculum itself. So instead of the models that I, uh, that I referred to before as co-curricular, um, it helps us anchor these actions right within the curriculum. So the picture that you're seeing right here is, uh, is an image of students, uh, looking at a, at it's a salmon hatchery. Students are raising Atlantic salmon, uh, in cooperation with the Toronto Zoo. Um, as a way of extending their learning about water. So where, where students often learn about water, water cycle, water conservation, this project allows us to create a natural extension for social action uh, through anchor points in the curriculum. Students do the work of conservation with community partners, uh, which I, I think that opportunity to make the curriculum uh, applicable and for social action and Jewish values to grow naturally is a, is a unique contribution of the project. If we can go to the next one, students get to engage in uh, authentic, meaningful social action. So in in this slide, we're seeing students in kindergarten uh, applying their knowledge about healthy food uh, and self-regulation to be able to make a healthy soup for uh, for people at a local shelter. This project allows us to create relationships with organizations in the community. And these relationships are really mutually beneficial. And uh, community agencies are able to understand our learning goals. They can help students apply their knowledge to to solve real problems. For the organizations themselves, we're creating pathways for future engagement. Students know who are the helpers in our community. What does it look like to be able to be engaged? And they're developing the habits that support uh, these agencies. Uh, these relationships, uh, as they're strengthened and as we think about them growing uh, over time through through multiple years, um, it really supports uh, everybody. It supports the school and it supports um, it supports the agencies. Not to mention that the outcomes of the projects support real people in, in real time. These projects have provided warm clothing for new immigrants. Um, they have helped uh, students understand how to welcome uh, new Israeli families to the school. Uh, these projects have helped students make healthy meals for people at local shelters. They've supported global vaccination initiatives. Um, these projects uh, have supported species at risk and, and local habitats and, and watersheds. And I, and I think that those r- real measurable contributions to the community is a is a very special outcome uh, of this work uh, and one that I'm I'm very proud of. For a school that uh, is looking to be able to adopt the the Tikkun project, I I made a slide of a couple of different basic recommendations. 
so things that I've noticed over the course of time. First, uh, our starting point that that uh, builds successful units is always about thinking about uh, renovating rather than rebuilding. So uh, rather than asking teachers uh, to take what they're already doing out, we'll look at what exists, find the strongest aspects of it, and add to it. So we may be bringing in a specific Jewish text or perspective, or we may be contributing a new partnership, but we looked for what was strong in the curriculum and aimed to build from it. Um, we connected with the expertise embedded in the community. We have uh, parents and board members uh, and friends and family who who do the work day to day at these organizations and who are happy to share their work with students. Um, looking at the the community and looking at the resources that that uh, that exist within it um, helped us to be able to create long lasting relationships. Uh, and and to really be in, in discussion about what the outcomes would be for students. We found that it was important to be able to communicate the goals of the project and the indicators that we were using to be able to look for it. Uh, it's clear that parents across the board are supportive of Tikkun Olam initiatives. This project su- suggests a number of very specific goals. Why do we want students to be able to engage in the work of Tikkun Olam? because it strengthens their connection to the Jewish community, because it deepens their learning and makes it authentic, because it makes them more critical thinkers. But when we don't communicate effectively with parents or teachers, those markers become hard to see. So effective articulation of the goals of the project and the indicators with which we use to measure the the effectiveness of the project is is essential in in launching. Um, And really the last one is investment in teachers. Teachers are wonderful, amazing, and creative. Um, and to be able to uh, support them in this work, uh, we need to work closely with each teacher to discover where do they feel comfortable, uh, where could they use support. Do teachers need support in integrating Jewish texts? Could they use help in connecting with agencies that work with marginalized communities? So really taking time to understand uh, teachers' goals and how the goals of the project map onto their learning goals, uh, sets us up for success in the classroom. Because at the end of the day, um, without the the support and investments of teachers, uh, we're, we're not set up in a position to be able to meet the goals of the project. So th- those, those would be my foundational bits of uh, advice for schools that are looking to, to integrate and launch the Tikkun project in your own schools. So I would just add two things before we move to the questions and try to understand. Dan, you're being a little overly modest. Important to acknowledge as well that last year you hosted a small um, gathering, a one-day um, conference of social justice educators from around um, Canada, and we hope to do that again, who uh, are hoping to implement these ideals. This is really intended to be, as they say, an open-source curriculum, a collaboration between all those across North America who are interested in this important learning um, and so the eventual goal by the end of the year is that all of this material is available to everyone um, on an interactive website where educators from other schools can contribute, share, modify the information as it works well for their school as well. On that note, I'm actually really happy that I that I see uh, in the community today that Alana Shapiro is here from the Denver Jewish Day School. Um, so this summer, I was very fortunate uh, to be able to go visit Alana and the teachers, the, the faculty at the school. Um, and uh, I 
it's it was a fantastic opportunity for us to be able to uh, see what that sharing looks like, um, how the curriculum is used and open source. Uh, and we it, it went a long way to be able to understand uh, the strongest through lines that allow the curriculum to be widely adaptable, you know, across, uh, you know, between provinces, uh, between Canada and the United States, between and among different kinds of, of Jewish day schools. And eventually the hope of the program is to share more widely also with other uh, faith-based schools and eventually public schools. We already have some teachers in the mix um, who represent those those schools and our ambition uh, is to continue uh, expanding and supporting teachers to be able to take the core curriculum uh, and adapt it in ways that make the most sense for their for their own communities. Thank you so much. This was a, a very powerful and um, well thought out presentation. There's so much you gave us here and there's a lot to to unpack as well. And uh, we're excited to move to that stage of the session. At this point, I'm thrilled to welcome uh, Josh Gold, who will be uh, leading Eric and Daniel for about 15 minutes in conversation. And uh, after he, after that section, we open the floor up to questions from the audience. So feel free to drop a question to me in the chat. And I'll be happy to raise it at the end of the program. And now I hand it off to Josh Cole. Thank you, uh, Elliot. And thank you to Prisma for the platform to be able to uh, facilitate such a, a meaningful uh, presentation. Thank you to Daniel and Eric. Very, very powerful stuff. I agree with uh, with Elliot. So just to tease out to hear a little bit more, um, I'm, I was really uh, refreshed to hear how mission-driven your school is and how much this program is framed as a manifestation of that mission and a natural application of the mission. I also love how uh, backward planning really took center stage in the approach to designing the curriculum and facilitating it. I'm wondering if you could tease out a little bit more for us how backward designing informed the strategic planning for the runway of preparation. So I know we worked, you you mentioned you worked very closely with teachers and, and parents and things. I'm wondering if you could talk to us about, was it was it six months? Was it a year? Was it three years where you planned the facilitation, the rollout of this program prior to? And what was the backward planning like in that process? So, Dan, before I let you get right into nitty gritty, I want to point out my experience. I've only been with the school for 25 of its 50 years at this point. Uh, but I want to tell you what my experience was before I was the head of school, mostly in my eight years as the campus principal. On an annual regular basis, I would receive somewhere between one and 200 requests for our students to serve as tikkun uh, agents for a very worthy cause. And really one of the reasons I was so excited about this idea and turned it over in this way was because um, it stopped um, those requests being haphazard and un and disconnected and allowed us to focus thoughtfully, exactly as you're saying, Josh, on how it is we still fulfill the goal of giving students the opportunity to change the world, but do so in a thoughtful, methodical, spiral curriculum from start to finish. Now, doesn't mean we started it from start to finish because that's not how we got there. I'll turn that to Dan. But what we did do was ensure that the educational experience of social justice emerges from the learned curriculum. 
I'm always curious about the things that happened uh, before I entered into the inter in, entered into the equation of this project. So thank you for um, giving a little bit of the background. Um, in terms of sort of the 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 pre work, the 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 backward planning of identifying how this would unfold. Um, again, the 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 question of just identifying the anticipated outcomes. Um, Mission statements, as I mentioned across the board, talk about changing the world, but the indicators, um, how would we know if, if, if that was happening? How would we know if, if students had the understanding, like the awareness about uh, problems in the world? How would we know if they had the intellectual tools and knowledge to be able to, um, to understand them and to work with them? And how would we know if they had the inclination uh, to be able to do it? Uh, separating those out and really articulating uh, a list of what we hoped for uh, was really fundamental in the in the backwards backwards design and and you'll see you know for schools that um, uh, that partner when they uh, when you look at our resources our teacher surveys or the curriculum uh, planners those indicators are are spread throughout because they're uh, they're unique they're they're not generally the same indicators that we're often uh, looking at. So we're not asking students, uh, for example, in the water cycle, they will demonstrate their understanding of water and the water cycle in class in many of the same ways that they traditionally have. But we had to develop a set of indicators to say, but do you care? Like, how would we know if a student uh, was passionate about an issue? Where would we see that? Who would we ask? What would the evidence uh, of that be? So there was a good chunk of time in in developing the criteria uh, after the criteria was really to try to find consistent landmarks in the curriculum. How, how would we, for instance, uh, look at a grade five curriculum across uh, the different subjects, be able to identify the units that had the greatest capacity to be able to hold experiential learning that would result uh, in the development of those habits, attitudes, and, and beliefs. Um, that is where I'm very excited about the partnerships with other with other schools, and I'm I'm very excited to see um, that to a large extent the units that we've identified, other people also see the capacity in them. So, Eric, uh, when you brought up the government unit, it's an excellent example. We know consistently that teachers will be teaching a unit about government, and it's clear the potential uh, that exists when students understand how government works and what's it, what it's for, that we can give them authentic challenges to be able to help solve problems that they experience in the community uh, through their understanding of, of government. So that that process of looking across the curriculum uh, to see the units that had the greatest capacity and match it with the outcomes that we were hoping for, uh, that was a lot of the, the groundwork that that existed even, even before we started really developing curricula. So it sounds to me like it's almost like an essential question for the entire school of how do, an essential question being a question that might be revisited throughout the length of a unit, through the length of a year, right? We're constantly coming back to this as a way to not only measure our growth, but to sort of anchor and ground our learning. This is almost like an essential question for the school of how does this core piece of our mission manifest or apply in these various curricula? I'm curious if you would recommend maybe a smaller school or a bigger school is it important to first identify something that is your essential question that you want to explore? It could be social justice, could be something else, and then have teachers sort of own it? Or is it important to have a point person or a team 
to sort of oversee that there's a singular sort of narrative, um, how would you approach that? Does there does there need to be a team or can you sort of pitch it, frame it, and teachers can sort of own it and take it from there? I'm I sorry that Atlanta's not there anymore, Dan, because I think you could have really shared your experience in Denver. But I will say that, you know, the dirty little secret, which we know we know, is that, you know, we started with the teachers we knew were going to be most invested and in. we're already making social justice a key part of what they were teaching. And that's how you're successful. So, uh, but I would bet that with the right um, support and push from administration, even one or a team of teachers who teach a certain level is probably the ideal way to say, how do we collaborate to make this more come alive with the work we're already doing? Um, I'll just share the observations. The the schools that we have uh, partnered with so far approach the question in a variety of ways. There are some schools um, where they're, they're structured and their understanding of how teaching and learning works uh, mm-hmm. suggests that training one or two people who are sort of in the senior academic uh, development area um, makes sense so that those people hold the goals and are able to oversee the rollout of curricula across the grades with those with those goals in mind. Um, in other situations, um, school administrators have believed that uh, training teachers to be able to uh, modify their units to accomplish the goals is the strongest because teachers are experts in the units and experts in the students that they work with. And I've seen both models be successful. Um, Teachers in Winnipeg uh, at a grade level took our kindergarten curriculum um, and applied it in a way that was different and adaptive than the way that we had suggested. Um, And that was done on a teacher level. And another school here, um, our our friends over at, at Bialik, took the water unit, uh, gave it to senior administrators, and they're owning the adaptation and implementation of those units. So I think it depends on how how learning is imagined and structured at school, and importantly, where the energy and, and passion lies. It seems to be true that when teachers or administrators are invested and understand that those ultimate goals, like our the, the Tikkun project outcomes that we talk about, and the indicators that we suggest you would look for when teachers and administrators understand those they're successfully able to implement the curriculum in ways that are adaptive and responsive to the reality so that's that i think is the thing that i would i would suggest the most is that uh the energy and clarity about the goals are the greatest indicators of the probability of success for a new school implementing the project that's a really great point and i think something that maybe schools might uh maybe not overlook but maybe not place so much importance on which is Instead of just focusing on getting it done, communicating and having un- understanding, having that buy in and that energy and enthusiasm around it is such an important component of the program's uh, success, I would imagine. Um, is there anything that you would do differently if you were going to do this again, having learned from the experience uh, or if you were going to replicate it in another school and counsel them? Anything you learned, potholes to be avoided, things that th- things that you learned in, in facilitating this uh, in, in like a, a, an original run? I, I would say that the importance of communication uh, across the board can't be overstated. When we don't effectively communicate the goals of the project to teachers, it's very difficult for them to be able to make the modifications that make it successful. If we fail to communicate our objectives and indicators to parents, it makes it very difficult for us to see uh, whether 
in the fullness of our ambition that those that those indicators are met. There are very few organizations, individuals, teachers, students, parents um, that have a that have a deep awareness of the of the of the project and its goals and its systems that aren't totally invested and and totally supported. There just there aren't a lot of people who know what we're trying to do that then have questions about why we should do this. It becomes fairly clear about why why this is the right thing to do. Uh, the places where we have uncertainty about whether this is really the the path uh, that we should be following is where we haven't adequately communicated. I believe. And 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 that is also true where there where there are and there have been speed bumps when when teachers uh, or parents have concerns about the age appropriateness of dealing with a specific uh, topic should my should my student in kindergarten really understand that homelessness exists um, is really a communications challenge and um, when we have done a good job of communicating we understand better what students, what parents hopes for are their kid for their kids are. We understand what they're concerned about launching into a, a project to do social justice. And I believe uh, from Alana and the Denver Jewish Day School, the sense the sensibilities even just around the language of saying social justice um, does something different in the United States than it does uh, here in Canada. Something to be something to be aware of, so that when parents ask, "Well, what do you mean by uh, social justice?" What are you what are you hoping for uh, through these actions? What would be the end outcome when we're able to communicate those everybody? Um, it, it all works better. It's great. Uh, the last question I have is you sound like you've been very successful uh, in making this a whole school movement. If I'm a school who I think I can roll this out, maybe in smaller pockets, should I wait to feel like I have whole school buy in before I really roll this out? Or is it OK in your experience to maybe start chunks, maybe K to two, three to five. Uh, it, would it, it, do you think it makes sense to wait until I have the full school opportunity to roll out, or can I roll it out successfully in smaller groups if I think I have the buy-in? Um, I'm going to use a different example. We are now uh, 15 years or so, maybe even a little more, since becoming an IB school, International Baccalaureate School. That required a massive change of thinking of training for everyone. And as you indicate, we started with grade six, seven, eight. We rolled out. We worked with a small team first. As long as you have the buy-in, in that case from the administration, that we intend to go all the way, but come with us as you're comfortable, I think a small chunk is a very smart way to try. I liked when you said K to two makes perfect sense to me. Let's take a group of teachers who understand students similarly, who often work together, and perhaps those teachers even move about a little interchangeably year to year um, and make that the core experience. I think one of those first, you had that kindergarten unit, Dan, but then that real kicker was the grade one on accessibility. And so many people bought in and sort of said, wait, I wish I were teaching that grade and experience. I see how how amazing it was for the students or the teachers in grade two the next year saying, I can't believe what they think and know now about their responsibility to the world. So I do think there's a, there's a coattail effect. And so identifying the right pod is a smart idea. And I imagine the parents being very excited about it was very helpful as well. That's absolutely true. 
the the task of implementing uh, across the grades effectively would involve uh, so many the creation of so many uh, meaningful relationships with partner agencies. Uh, so much uh, thoughtful. Mod- it would be difficult uh, to be able to. I I I think my experience is that you know we we launch stuff and it's not going to be perfect the first time. Like so, I I I wouldn't say that the danger of not doing it at its highest standard should be a barrier for people. Launching into it will help uh, everybody understand why it is it is uh, the right thing to do. But yes. Um, I think it's it's much more reasonable to to be able to take a couple of things where you see potential in a unit, um, you recognize uh, teachers' excitement, um, you 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 take something that you know that you can build from, um, and and go from there. What I love about this so much is as as you were presenting, I was making a note for a possible question about what needs to sort of make room for this in the curriculum. And you both covered that so well by really saying that you don't need to approach it that way, that this is very much a complement, an angle, um, and a way to, and sort of a prism with which to look at our curriculum. And in that way, not only is it replicable in so many different settings, but it can be the same grounded value, but manifest itself differently in different schools. And for that reason, it's really a tremendous uh, add-on to the landscape and a really, really powerful program. So I thank you both for presenting, giving us an opportunity to learn about it. Uh, thank you again to Elliot and, and, and Prisma for providing this platform for you guys. Very, very meaningful. And thanks again for letting me uh, ask you a few questions. Thanks, Josh, for, as always, uh, doing a great job of engaging uh, some of the, and teasing out some of the uh, deeper implications of the presentation. So uh, always grateful to you. Okay, at this point, we're going to field questions um, from the audience. So feel free to send them to me in chat, on Facebook. And uh, let's begin. So many things I want to I want to ask you about. Uh, for, but uh, let's start with the idea of um, tracking. You, Eric, you talked about data, <laughs> anecdote versus data. You talked about how you use data to track student attitudes and different things talk about talk about that a little bit more what kind of data you pull out uh you of the students um and how that that tracking enables you to uh change the program from year to year to improve it um yeah i i'll i'll try to be concise on this it's a it's a great question and it has a a multiple kinds of responses. So uh, some of the outcomes are inherently more trackable than others. Uh, so for example, critical thinking is a is a key non-negotiable aspect of the, the project. Um, we want to ensure that when students are thinking about problems, that they're using critical thinking skills to demonstrate an accurate, thoughtful understanding of the problems and a good ability to analyze. So that that is core. Those outcomes are fairly measurable on the teacher end, right? Some of those things actually just have to be baked into approaches to curriculum to begin with. We want students to be able to consider multiple perspectives. It's it's actually a question of tracking teacher practices. Are we giving students opportunities to suggest multiple solutions to a problem? Students can't do that and can't uh, demonstrate their ability to do that when curriculum and teaching practices don't support it. So some of our indicators 
need to come from things like monitoring teacher practices. That's where we use things like teacher surveys. We ask them how confident they are in uh, using critical thinking tools in classes. So uh, some of them are for teacher surveys. Um, some of them are from the actual outcomes. Kids work with a set of criteria to be able to understand whether their projects and ideas are successful, uh, whether there's a measurable positive outcome at a teacher level. They can help students understand the efficacy of their of their actions. And some of them are in the category of habits, attitudes, and beliefs, which is interesting because you can survey students um, about their beliefs and you can get students that strongly believe that they're capable of, of everything. And that could be because they're in grade one and they're going to be confident that they can do anything all the time. And it's wonderful. Can you use it as an indicator of growth? Maybe. But you can also get students who are skeptical about the world and are are in are in a teenage mood. So uh, those indicators are sometimes more difficult. Evidence of transfer uh, can be seen by lots of people in, in lots of situations, but you have to ask the right people at the right time to be able to know. So um, the the best we have done is understanding that our modes of collecting data and and gathering evidence um, is. Uh, multimodal with lots of lots of different um, participants, and we hone it and develop it as as we go. The the more questions we can have answered, the more evidence uh, that we can point to just to say what is happening, what is going on here. Um, those those are useful. This project really influences everybody in the school, but perhaps no one more so than than teachers, who it seems have to adapt the, their way of working uh, with curricula and extracurricular, co-curricular, the way they plan their lessons uh, and work together, et cetera. So can you talk about the impact that this project has had and that you've seen on your teacher? I think that's an interesting question, and I'm not sure the teacher surveys are only a recent addition, so I don't know that we have an eight-year longitudinal study yet of the of the teacher responses. Uh, I believe that um, all staff come and go from an institution, um, teachers, administrators, heads of school. The goal is to ensure that the experience of the student meets the same mission in all generations. And so for me, I think about it a lot as um, how we bring new teachers in to understand that mission to a place that they perhaps have never been before. How do we ensure that teachers who've been here for a while continue to understand that mission as core? Because in truth, the mission of the school, the unique mission of the school um, is should be what ties everyone together. Um, and so for me, uh, I think it's just done a wonderful job of reminding people um, what our school is about, the values upon which it was founded, how that may manifest itself differently 50 years later with due to the changes of demography in the community. Um, but I think it just gives them a clear grounding, um, even if you're teaching math and even if you're teaching French and even if you're teaching phys ed, that our job as a school is to train young people to think critically and understand their responsibility to the world around them, period. 
Another question I had was the impact of this program on on your school as a whole, both internally and externally. What impact uh, have you seen it have on school culture um, and on the school's uh, brand identity or value proposition? Have you seen uh, this pro- this project uh, make an impact on any of those? So those bigger picture questions are in many ways my responsibility, long-term sustainability and vision of the school. And I would say, as I said, I've only been here for 25 of the 50 years. I also happen to grow up as a reformed Jew in this community. Um, but the goal, reform Jewish day school education continues to be an anomaly across North America, although it is firmly my belief that there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12,000 young Jews in different day schools across North America, only 13 of those schools identify themselves as reformed day schools. For me, the key element of what this project has helped to do is to remind people that reform Judaism is powerful, meaningful, thoughtful, personal, intentional Judaism. And even when half of the families that we serve don't consider themselves reformed Jews, We welcome you here, but we're not a community school. We're a school with a singular outlook as to our responsibility to the world. If you're uncomfortable with your child wearing a kippah, for example, because it's not your practice as a more traditional Jew, this probably isn't the right place for you to experience what Judaism means to us. You're welcome to do that at any of, and we're very lucky, 14 other elementary schools here in Toronto. But for us, the project has helped to remind people the power of Reform Judaism, the power of personal choice and personal mission in understanding that that is what modern Judaism is all about, and that that's in no way a lesser function of Judaism. It's exactly the opposite. It's a stronger, more personal, more powerful and spiritual understanding of your mission in the world. Great. And we have one minute left, and I want to give the last word to Daniel because this is his baby. Um, and the question is, uh, what, what are, what are some of the supports that you might envision organizations say like Prisma or, or, or others, uh, that could really help strengthen this kind of education throughout the field? It seems to be the case from my experience that when teachers are able to to gather and have uh, planning time together, to, to have uh, the appropriate amount of time to be able to talk about what their what their essential core goals are, what their what their hopes are, what tools that they have available to them, um, how they would integrate ideas across uh, curricula, that time with other educators. Uh, seems to be really important to the development of the project. So any organization that's able to bring interested educators and administrators to the table and to provide the time, space, and resources uh, for them to bring what they understand about their own schools and their own students and classrooms to the table and uh, to collaborate, uh, to share resources, that that gathering function, the the ability to bring people together and to provide them with the resources to do the things that they do well and to follow what they know to be true about their school's uh, mission statements and their their ideas about what the ideal world would look like, 
that time spacing and and gathering is an important function. So we're we're trying to create cohorts uh, of educators that can get together and share share resources. Um, I think that function, especially for an organization like Prisma, is really important because you have the capacity to gather. Thank you, thank you so much, and uh, we definitely take that part of our mission to heart very much. So, so I want to thank. Daniel and Eric, uh, for presenting the really uh, powerful work that you're doing in curricularizing and strengthening uh, the work of Tikkun alum uh, in your school and setting an, ex- an example for the field. It's really inspiring. The next episode of Podcast Live, scheduled for January 9th, features Sa- uh, Sarah Schulman and Daniel Spiegel of the Milken School in Los Angeles. And they're going to be presenting their school's signature customer service ethos that they call the Milken Way. So so thank you all and um, happy Thanksgiving for those of you in, in the U.S. who celebrate.